0: An industry under pressure, innovation in its finest hour. This is the Oil & Gas Technology Podcast, where sharp minds reveal the brilliance and sheer determination turning great ideas into new realities. Hear about how it happens in real life with your host, Michael O'Sullivan.
1: The views of the host are expressly his own and should not be construed as the views of any other corporation, consortium, governing body or interplanetary federation.
2: hey everyone welcome back to another magnificent episode of the oil and gas tech podcast brought to you by the good people at cognite right here on the oil and gas global network we do love our sponsors at oggm because uh, as i always say without them there is no us and that is really true so uh and without us uh, you would have nowhere to go for all of this fantastic content because there isn't anywhere else so here is a quick message from our friends at Cognite. This is what they want you to know about them. Imagine your company fully digitalized, transformed and sustainable. Cognite helps you make data do more for faster, safer, more sustainable industrial operations and of course you can learn more at uh, cognite.com, but if you really want to get to the good stuff, then uh, they got a they got a new uh, special website and, uh, and you can go to com and, uh, and learn all about... The, and I got to tell you, they are doing some fantastic stuff, so you got to check that out. My guest today, joining us from the tropical paradise of Calgary, mm-hmm. Alberta, is a longtime industry expert, Russ Sager, and we're going to be talking about um, a part of the industry that I, hasn't gotten enough attention here lately on the podcast. We're going to talk about downstream and retail, but first... I gotta, I gotta tell you about these new OGGN podcasts. Uh, we're, we're growing like crazy at OGGN. We're, we, I don't, know, we're like up to seventeen podcasts or something like that now. But there's three new ones that you need to know about. One is kind of the sister show to this one, so it is hosted by uh, yours truly, and that's called Oil and Gas Digital Doers, sponsored by Topcoder. And uh, that one is uh, is kind of similar to this. We're talking about digital, but we're not really. Um, focusing so much on the tech itself we're, we're getting we're hearing from people in the industry who are telling stories and giving advice about how to actually get digital done so as soon as you finish listening don't don't check it out right now because we're about to have a good one right here but after that go to digital doers uh, on all the usual podcast uh, uh platforms so you can see that also there is a new energy scale ups podcast hosted by jose salis which is being sponsored by Halliburton Labs, and that one is all about startups and smaller companies who are growing up and uh, making major contributions to the industry. So uh, that's a that's a fantastic one if if you're interested in that stuff. And finally, this 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 one is kind of new, uh, or kind of new. It's kind of different. It is new. They're all new, but this is called Journey to the Energy C Suite, which already just by just the title sounds fascinating. But um, Journey to the Energy C Suite. It's hosted by by our friend Ryan Sanford, and it's being sponsored by... The Price College of Business at the University of Oklahoma and this is all about like if you let's say you've been in the industry for a while and uh, you, you got a good career maybe you're in a senior leadership position but what you really want to know is how do I how do I get into the c-suite how do I become an, a, a top executive so Ryan has got some amazing very senior level uh, guests on that show and uh, and and they're dishing out some great advice so check out those podcasts, all the usual places Apple Podcasts, Spotify. If you, 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 and if you, in case you didn't write all that down while I was saying it, just go to oggn.com and you can see all of our podcasts there. And then you can link out to whatever your favorite platform is. So without any further babbling from me, Russ Sagert. Russ, thanks for being here.
1: Thank you very much, Michael. <laughs> Sounds like I have an awful lot of podcasts so like I'm going to have to catch up on over these these next kind of rainy, snowy days of ours. You you do. So it's not really a tropical paradise, is it? I guess it's. Uh, is it still snowing there? It is actually. I mean, I, I live up in the mountains, so of course, you know, right now I'm looking out my window, kind of at some very, very white uh, snowy peaks. Uh, so yeah, we're still getting some snow once in a while. So
2: it is. I uh, I I love to look at white snowy peaks, but mostly just like in pictures like on the internet. Cause I, cause I'm, I'm, I'm a hot weather beach person. So anytime somebody talks about how beautiful it is in the mountains, I always say that I, I like a, like a postcard would be perfectly fine for me. But, <laughs> uh, but we're, but we're, we're having, we're almost having summer here in Houston. I and mean, when, you know, you spent a lot of time in fact, so Russ and I, um, go way back, uh, to the, to, uh, the heyday of, uh, of exploration technology in Houston. Um, and, and actually, but we lost touch a little bit over the years as people do. So we've already been having kind of a little bit of a reunion catching up. So, um, um, uh, so we'll, we'll do some more of that now probably, but just a little background on Russ, um, you are, I know you're leading business development, right at, at NetApp, and, um, and I know that you're attached to several industries now, like manufacturing and the, so you got manufacturing and retail. I mean, I know you as a longtime oil and gas guy, uh, most notably, you know, from all from your days at Schlumberger and like the SMT continuation at IHS. Um, and we actually did some work together back then. But what else like what else do you want people to to know about you before we get started?
1: Well, I think, you know, first and foremost, I mean, just knowing that, you know, on this particular podcast anyways, is that my roots are definitely very, very well established within side oil and gas. I mean, you know, I am a geophysicist. I'm pretty sure I'm the only geophysicist within inside of NetApp, you know, is an IT company. You're thinking it's like, well, how does a geophysicist end up in an IT company? But, you know, (laughs) we'll, we'll get into that. But, I mean, there's a lot of this you know, you've got to have that practical understanding, you know, from an exploration downstream oil and gas side of things to really start helping a lot of, you know, either customers or a lot of, you know, even companies like NetApp to try to find real relevance in, you know, this ever-changing world. So, um, yeah. Yeah. you know, you start yeah. off your career in, you know, in exploration and, you know, I spent time obviously in Houston twice in my career now and uh, stationed in Houston. I've been in Boulder, Colorado, Dubai and the Emirates doing business development there. And, was uh, stationed, uh, luckily in in Norway and Oslo for you know for a number of years too. So, you know, it's All given me a lot of perspective. That's right. I mean, yeah. most of our industry has been you know around the the exploration part. I mean, that's how I got you know everything going in my career. But you know, I think you know it's been mentioned on a couple of your podcasts around you know that fateful day in 2014 where the commodity prices collapsed, and you know a yeah. lot of us had to reinvent ourselves around. Well, you know, now the focus is on downstream. So. You know, where do you where are you going
2: out? Exactly. So I want to so I want to talk about that a little bit because um, this is something that's come up that I've been bringing up uh, on in various conversations and this focus on downstream. But um, before we do that, maybe just uh, just for those who maybe aren't uh, familiar with NetApp, you want to give a little background. This is your this is your chance to do a NetApp plug. So so go ahead <laughs> and and what's what's NetApp
1: all about? My official NetApp plug. So um, NetApp traditionally, I mean, we've been, you know, an IT data management company now for over 25 years. And, you know, we've been very strong, you know, providing storage and infrastructure capabilities inside traditional data centers. In the last couple of years, we've been making a big push, you know, helping customers get a lot of their business applications into cloud. You know, how do we make that migration from data center on-premise into cloud? And when I came into the company back about four years ago now, was really to kind of take a look at well, not all the workflows were moving from the data center to cloud, but you know very specifically there's a lot of things that are staying out at the edge. What does that industrial right. edge yeah. requirement look like? And so I came in as a industry practitioner from oil and gas, really trying to help a, an IT company figure out well, what is you know what do we need to know about virtualization, storage, you know, backup and disaster recovery, cloud connectivity how does that apply to to the industrial side of things and specifically to oil and gas? And there was a lot of those practices and a lot of those things that we found out that had relevance in oil and gas, you know, that's process manufacturing, but, you know, discrete manufacturing and a lot of other types of industries had very similar needs. And that's kind of where I started kind of moving away from just solely focused on oil and gas to also, You know, automotive manufacturing and biochemical, and all sorts of other things.
2: Yeah, so it's fascinating because this comes up a lot too. I've I've been in in a lot of the a lot of shows is um, is that there are similarities with other industries. And I think we're at a time so far, everybody I've said this to has agreed with me. So you can, you can feel free to disagree if you want, but, (laughs) but, but, um, I think we're at a point in history where within oil and gas, people are a lot more open to learning, um, from other related industries and, um, and, and just kind of taking that input into the mix. And, and, and learning how to do things better is that is. So you're working across multiple industries. Are you finding that, that we're more, that we're, that we're more Cause it used to be, we weren't so much interested in that, but it seems to be changing quite a bit.
1: Yeah, no, I'd agree too. I mean, when I take a look, you know, my days back in you know, slumber, or shell, I mean, you know, the amount of R and D that we had going on, but again, it was really around, you know, well, well completions, reservoir simulation. Right. It was very right. unique to, you know, just the oil and gas industry. But I think, you know, we're refining more on the kind of complex process manufacturing, you know, whether it's refining petrochemical, you know, it's even things to do with like midstream, you know, the pipeline operations. There are so many different parallels from different industries, which are also very technically advanced. You know, there's all the changes going through automotive manufacturing, um, you know, things that are going on and even biochemical. There is a lot of things that are now directly applicable and these industries are are similar enough where you know the, right. the concepts you know digital twin you know artificial intelligence and how you train you know a, you know, a complex algorithm to do things that you need in your process yeah. that is can be you know applied from industry to industry and I think that's where you're starting to find it doesn't have to be just a pure oil and gas focused company that can solve a problem we're finding technologies and approaches that are applicable from other industries. And we're finding some really interesting partnerships and combinations that um, are helping in the oil and gas space.
2: So, so you made a really interesting point, which no one has done yet so far, which is that the change the the, the the newly developed openness to learning and leveraging things from other industries is, isn't, isn't solely a, um, a shift in our, collective psyche <laughs> but it's but it's actually connected with some with a shift in the industry itself which is something that i wanted to get to which is which is you know i and i'm i'm not going to say that exploration is going away nobody nobody write down that michael O'Sullivan said exploration is going away but but there is a shift in focus to as you said like further down the value chain. And that's where we begin to see some similarities to other industries. So it's natural that, uh, that we would be able to, to, to leverage some of those solutions and and lessons and things that's, 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 that's interesting. So what, what, um, so can, so talk about that for a minute, like what's happening in terms of what's what's more in focus now and what's less in focus for the industry today?
1: Well, again, looking at kind of more of that downstream part of the operation, you know, you, you look at the types of equipment that are actually involved in, you know, refining petrochemical, asphalt, you know, whatever that's going to be. You know, it's pumps, compressors, you know, it's, uh, you know, power uh, systems. There's a lot that, you know, other industries, you know, mining, other industries have very similar, if not exactly the same physical equipment. So, you know, they're right. also working in very harsh environments. You know, they have, you know, 10, 20, 30 years worth of, of history what can we learn, you know, about those same pieces of equipment from other industries and, you know, different players? same uh, right, right. time? And I think that's yeah. what makes it unique because before an exploration, well, how many other industries drilled, you know, to, you know, a couple thousand meters in depth? You
2: know, how, <laughs> right. it, not it very many. Yeah.
1: It wasn't applicable to, to any other industry. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things about, you know, like the kinds of reservoir simulation that we did. It was not applicable in any other space so we couldn't really leverage you know wins from other industries but right. you know in discrete you know um or just kind of process manufacturing process manufacturing, is, yeah, yeah yeah we we certainly can
2: well okay but so now we didn't just in oil and gas we didn't just all of a sudden get into the business of, of, of process manufacturing we've been doing that the whole time yeah. but i think what you're getting at is that it used to, just a few years ago that the spotlight, like all the energy and and everything was really going into um technology for exploration. Um that was what everybody was focused on. That was what everybody because because the business was very much at that point in time built on uh what was driving the business was like 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 getting new reserves and and building out kind of the front end of the business. Um and but now what we're seeing is is there's more that's less, you know, less in the foreground. And, and there's a lot more emphasis looking at how do we take what we're already producing and get more value from it all the way like through the value chain, right? Is that, that's kind of what's happening industry wise?
1: Yeah, I would say so. I mean, when you take a look at me, the the focus for the bulk of my career was all, you know, reserves replacement. That's all we focused on, you know, exploration, but you know, with the with the downturn in the commodity prices, I mean, we certainly found that there was you know a lot more emphasis now, and you we know, got you know lower cost of feedstock. And you know, you're looking at the the way that the integrated oil companies and almost everybody when they shifted a lot of their opex from the exploration to downstream, because that's where the margins were, right? You know, it's now around you know we've got you know enough reserves, we've got production is actually you know, production is being being curtailed and shut in. That wasn't really the challenge any longer. So now you get into you know again from 2014 onwards, it's around well let's you know really eke out all the profitability and efficiencies we can in our more of our midstream and downstream operations, and even to yeah. some degree to, into the the retail space. So those are the companies, the integrated oil companies, are the ones that are still very profitable um, and are also still doing a lot of investment. But the kind of the R and D and where they're getting a lot of this technology from. Um, this is where they're, you know, they're innovating and this is where they're asking other industry partners for yeah. for help.
2: Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, so that, so that, all right. So enough, enough of the industry chit chat. And I should comment too that, uh, for our listeners, um, in case, uh, you hear any thunder in the background, it's not any sort of a of a commentary on the content of the show I'm actually just we're having thunderstorms in Houston and, uh, there's nothing I can do about it. So, um, uh, although our, our, our audio guy's pretty good, so I don't know, maybe he's going to be able to get that, get that stuff out of there. So, um, and of course I, I also forgot to mention that Russ and I are obviously in the remote configuration today. So I'm not, I'm not sitting at the fabulous cannon on the West side of Houston where we do a lot of podcasts and, um, um, but I got to say good things about those guys all the time because they have a, a fantastic facility. But so, um, so, so that's kind of the industry landscape. Um, so what? So what's happening in in downstream in retail? What What are these new uh, technologies and uh, that are kind of more like coming from process manufacturing and like what, what's happening there?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, this will be kind of a plug on some of your podcast, but I mean, you you have been focusing on you know digital twin artificial intelligence machine learning right, know, there right. is a lot of that kind of new you know i don't know software buzz that's really kind of coming into you know how do i look at you know complex you know processes and you know like you know, in refining and then how do i apply that but i think yeah. you know what's happened though is that there's a lot of people have kind of gone past their proof of concepts you know, there is, you know, there's a lot of proven value in a lot of the the algorithms and the capabilities to say, yeah, we really can get better operational insights, we can minimize disruptive, non, you know, unplanned downtime. You know, now we're getting into the points where again that digital maturity that you have, you know, in that space. Well, how do we take it to the next level? And this is where we start getting into, well, why does a company like NetApp know who's been mostly to do with it and business systems why are we getting brought into the into the flavor of this and we start getting into well now if i have to do some type of a planned outage and i've got to start doing maintenance wouldn't it be really nice if you know my operational insights were now directly tied to my erp systems so i could notify my vendor who's going to do you have spare parts you know are they readily available when should i schedule this you know, out of the 25 times that you've done this, how long does it typically take to do this? How long should I plan for? What's the 80% case scenario? What's the 20% case scenario? You know, you start getting into the efficiencies around, well, I'm gonna have downtime. I gotta do maintenance, but right? How do I make that more efficient? You know, how do I minimize the disruption to my business? And it's those kind of things now where you start looking at, well, who now are the players? And sure, it's the analytic provider around, okay, I predicted that this is going to have some equipment problems, but now we start tying into, well, who's your ERP system provider? You know, how do I share that operational insight to the vendor? How can I show them what's actually going on inside my plant? I don't want to give them access to my data historian because, I mean, that's my lifeblood of my operation, but can I give him a real-time replication of that? Mm Can I do it through a cloud? You know, can I find other ways of bringing in my ecosystem of partners together? So it's a little bit of, there's new technologies, you know, digital twin, artificial intelligence, but it's that maturing around going from inside my plant, my operations, into my ecosystem of partners to solve my problem.
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so, and you're getting into something that... Um that is always a big thing in this industry, which is, we can talk about all of these uh, really cool things that we can do. Um, And you made some some good points there about actually taking, um, really connecting things to all the different parts of your operation. But like, we're, it always comes down to, how do we actually get this stuff, uh, like out of the POC? <laughs> Cause it always works perfectly in the POC. Um, Absolutely. and, and how do we get it like actually deployed and like operating in our real world environment? And that's where, um, and, and that's where people, um, and when this comes up on the digital doers show, which is which is well, uh, yeah, w- w- we have trouble getting from like the from the POC when it comes out of the lab, now deploying and operating it is kind of a whole nother whole other thing. So what um, and like you said, NetApp, you're in the you, you're an IT company that that has a lot of oil and gas uh, kind of know-how in terms of how to how to apply, Uh, or how to kind of create the foundation so that all these things can be can actually happen so what's so what's your perspective on that what what um what should people be doing to um to actually make this stuff work in the real world
1: well there's you know the the practicalities around okay so we know what the algorithm is trying to do you know what kind of problem we're trying to solve for but then you start getting into all the little challenges around, you know, how do we deploy this thing at scale, and how do we do it cost effectively, right?
2: Yeah, right. So right. if we
1: start off right at the, the, the sensors, you know, now we're getting a lot of conversations around. Well, what about a five G localized network? You know, instead of having to run wires all over the place in order to gain, you know, more sensors, more data, can I put in a five G network, and then can I, you know, connect sensors remotely? Well, that just simplified. You know the my deployment of sensors and also minimize my cost and disruption around running cables all over the place. Well, the skill sets with that usually rely within inside the telco provider. So we start taking a look at around well how much data is going to be produced, what kind of latency is involved with getting that data to the aggregation point where I'm going to run that analytic. So you know we're now we've already got a small ecosystem of partners around how do I cost effectively just deploy sensors to gather that data? And can I use wireless technology in this environment? Yes or no. Okay. That's first question. Mm-hmm. Then we can start getting into, okay, well, you know, how are we going to run that analytic? Now most of these modern analytics is not something where you just deploy them and you're done with it. You know, they need updating. How do we train them? You know, if, especially if it's around something to do with video, as an example, if I'm using a, um, you know, thermographic camera to look for you know heat signatures. When there's an abnormal heat, probably indicates where. Well, if I'm deploying hundreds of these thermographic cameras, that's a lot of data. You know, how do we take all the images, and how do I take samples of that around what's good, what's normal, what's not normal, and how do I build that model? Well, a good place for that is probably in the cloud. Well, how do I get that data from the edge? where I've collected all those example images, how do I get them into the cloud? How do I manage right. all that? So now we get into, maybe that's where a NetApp fits in. You know, We work with all of the different cloud providers. So if your favorite is Azure, or your favorite is GCP, or AWS, or IBM Cloud, or whatever it's going to be, we right. can show you how to manage all that. So that's now integration with the cloud providers. And how do we manage cost-effectively the data that sits in the high-performance tier? So when I'm building my model, but then, right. you know, I'm not going to update it for another two weeks. We'll so just move it down to a glacier storage. How do we do that cost effectively?
2: Right. And then you get well, into you
1: know, some other aspects around now. I got a I've got a model. I want to update you know that to right. you know 25 plants and how do I do all that?
2: Yeah, yeah. That so that <laughs> that is the I mean that is the trick, right? Is um, um, all the like the moving data around and updating yeah. and keeping everything connected, which. Um, the, not only is there, you know, concerns about cost effectiveness, but we have, like, you know, we have security concerns. And, of course, you know, and every once in a while there's a little incident that makes us hyper aware of security concerns. Um, okay, and a so... company
1: getting shut down due to the yeah, mall
2: <laughs> yeah, something along those lines. But but it but it speaks to an issue, which is, um, we didn't used to worry about that so much. um, Because all of those systems that you're talking about, were physically separated from everything else. And they were done that way for, for all of those reasons, right? Not just for security, but for safety. And, and, and now all of a sudden, here comes digital transformation. And we want to start like connecting all that stuff to networks and to the cloud and um and so what about um so while we're busy hooking up all this goodness um so that we can do all these things with digital twins and analytics and everything else but what about the operational concerns in terms of now we're we're kind of uh creating new areas of risk that we didn't have
1: before yep no very true i mean it's um you know, although there is huge advantages of being able to connect your operational insights into your business systems. I mean, the exposure threat. I mean, that's something relatively new. So, I mean, that's yet another you know integration of another partner who has expertise in how do I protect digital data, data in flight. You know, the ports that are opened up. You know, how do we how do we look at that? So it's not. We started off with there is a provider of an analytic. That maybe you know shows me efficiencies within a heat exchanger or a pump or compressor. Right. but we've already talked about a cloud provider. We've talked about you know the you know five g you know telco uh, provider telco, right? now we're talking right. about security experts. You can start to see very quickly that to go to scale on mass, all the different things I need to think about, I need an ecosystem of partners, and its skill sets are way beyond just the oil and gas industry or the traditional players in the oil and gas industry.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. You
1: know. So before, you know, if I bought a big, you know, pumper compressor from GE or from Snyder or something like that, you know, I got my condition monitoring and my little device and I got my software and everything else from them and I just deployed it. But you know, they don't have those kind of skill sets. You know, around right. you know how do I now incorporate that into my much more grandiose, broader plan? Um, that's why they're even reaching out to companies like us, us as well. So it's you know there there's a lot of changes that are going to have to happen and bringing in new skill sets because the the value the benefits of doing that are so large everybody has to get past this but you can't right. expose your your you know your company to risk and this is where yeah. we get into the concepts even like you know the big data historians that have been aggregating this this you know, time series information now for for decades when i want to share it with partner I'm still. There's no way I'm going to expose that directly to the outside world, you know. I'm going to do a secure methodology of teeing that, and I'm going to make that copy available to my vendors and partners. But I'm still. There's no way I'm going to expose the real life operational, you know, lifeblood out to the external world. You're just not going to.
2: So so this is a lot to. I mean, so if I'm sitting here, um, if I'm if I'm at a at a Tasked with making all this stuff happen at a major operator, um, there's a lot to think through. I mean, there's a lot of, um, you, you, you know, it, but but as you said, the the benefit is so huge that we can't just say, like, you, you can't just say, well, that all sounds great, but it's too risky. We don't want to do it. I mean, I mean, we're at a you have to do it, as you said. We have to get
1: past this. Yeah, and I would agree. I mean, it's, it's something you just going kind to of have to do. And this is again why you know when you're looking at you know, uh, say the automotive industry, you know, we take a look very quickly. I mean, you know, like a, you know, an automotive manufacturer does not, you know, create all the parts and assemble everything all themselves. You know, they work with the ecosystem of partners, you know, who right. actually supply them those parts. So you're going to find it's like, well, you know, when somebody provided me a part or a service, you know, what was the auditability and around, you know, how did they determine the quality of that part or of that service? You know, how do I accept that? You know, so you start now looking at, you know, how other industries like automotive manufacturing are really sharing information. You know, how are they looking at real time inventory? How are we looking at, you know, operational efficiencies? You know, when we have to plan for for maintenance services, how are other industries doing this effectively? Um, Because they've had all the worry about, you know, the external, you know, malware threats and uh, cyber attacks as well maybe not to the same degree is what the oil and gas industry does. Cause I mean, let's face it, you know, oil and gas is targeted more frequently than anybody.
2: Sure. But yeah, there yeah, are yeah. some
1: really good best practices that have been put into healthcare, into other operations that can be applied and should be applied into the oil and gas. Right. industry.
2: Yeah, no, that's good stuff. So, um, um, and, and, you know, uh, like you said, you've got people, so people are, so, so you've been in, you've had been in It, you know, provider of IT, various different IT capabilities, in the industry for a long time. I mean, uh, you you guys have a have, have are not any stranger. You're you're not just uh, breaking into the oil and gas business here lately. So, um, so you've got people that are coming to you and saying, "Look, I I gotta um, I need you to help me navigate all these different parts and pieces." And and then you're able to leverage uh, relationships that you have with other people that could be. I'm just thinking of like, how does somebody go about assembling this partner ecosystem? Because it's a relatively it's a relatively new thing, right?
1: Yeah, it is very true. I mean, I've already mentioned, you know, quite a number of different types of partners, but, you know, the, um, this business that kind of crossing this, you know, they, we talked about the OT-IT convergence, you know, the operational mm-hmm, insights right. into the IT and the business world. Um, you know, the, the cloud providers, you know, all the major, you know, uh, hyperscalers, I mean, they are certainly into this space and, you know, we're working with them. There's also the niche analytic companies, but there's also the traditional, you know, industrial partners that have been in this space for, for decades. So, you know, we are finding that, you know, either through consortiums, I mean, there's practical workspaces now. I mean, there's all sorts of different industry consortiums out there right now where we can really work on real world representations of the physical equipment and we can try, you know, how do we work together? You know, we can build up those relationships and those success stories and then take actual solutions, not products not a product yeah 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 Actually, right honest to goodness working solution to these end customers and saying we even know how to do the transition because these things aren't right I mean, these things do not you can't just shut down a petrochemical plant you know to do something you know it's got uh, to be employed
2: yeah no it's 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 like uh seven digits when you when you when you shut down a petrochemical plant so let's so that, that's really good let's talk about um um, we mentioned up front, we mentioned retail a little bit. How is this? So all of this, uh, downstream, all of this new, new capabilities and that we're developing and downstream. And I think you mentioned, uh, I can't remember if you mentioned this after we turned on the microphones or maybe it was when we were chatting before, but, but about downstream is really like, uh, is really doing more and growing and maturity with all this, um, but how does that flow into the what does that do for the the retail ends, right? Is it is is, the, is there an impact there? Is it are we creating new, um, new advantages for the retail business?
1: Yeah, very so. And, similar. and, and, and mean, if we're
2: not, you you could say no because I just yeah. made that question up.
1: <laughs> so, so the answer is yes. I mean, I, I still think a lot of this, you know, this changes that are we're going through in the industry, I think, can also affect that as well. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. You go to you know a gas station and, uh, you know, What was the digital technology in there? The point of sale, right? You know, I bought my gas or I bought my chocolate bar or whatever it's going to be. And then, you know, that was the end of it. Yeah. But they're also really going through a lot of real change. Now, let's, let's take a look at some of these things. You know, we're helping customers right now in Europe, you know, putting in all these EV charging stations. And they're using things like video cameras to look at that to determine... Does the customer need help? You know, are they efficiently moving through right. the process of plugging in the car right. or Hey, their car's charged. Why are they still connected? You know, they should move <laughs> on <laughs> or how do I send them an alarm <laughs> and alert to their phone to say, Hey buddy, you know, you're, you're finished. Right. You know.
2: Yeah. 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 You need box. to wrap up your lunch because your car is charged. Right. Yeah.
1: Right. But then you also see, even from like every service station now has some kind of convenience store associated to it. They're trying to sell you the hot dog or the cup of coffee. So, you know, it's that whole customer sentiment analysis. I mean, there is a security threat. So they're putting in video cameras all over the place, looking for real time inventory, um, you know, understanding customer shopping behaviors. How do I move things around to get the most out of their experience? Um, You know, even determining things when there's slip and fall problems, you know, whether something gets spilled on the floor. Sure.
2: Yeah. But What I'm
1: trying to get at here is that. You know even at something like a retail station that a few years ago had a point-of-sale device that was it is now all of a sudden trying to deploy a bunch of new sensors cameras they are looking they're deploying artificial intelligence machine learning to charging stations to customer sentiment to worker health and safety as they fill up the tanks you know they would like to leverage cloud they would like to do you know use that kind of as a managed infrastructure So even all these things we've talked about, you know, digital twin, artificial intelligence, cameras, sensors, 5G networks. From a digital perspective, what we've just been talking about in the downstream operations is also the type of technologies which are really hitting, you know, the retail space. Now, the algorithms are different. You know, I'm not looking at, you know, a digital twin of a pump or compressor, but I'm looking at now like an EV charging station. But from how do we handle the deployment perspective, you know, getting that past the point of POC into how do we deploy this across a thousand retail stations? That part still remains to be very similar.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, interesting. So, all of this... but <laughs> there's so much, there's so much in there that we could, that we could dive in and talk about the, the retail, we haven't talked a whole lot. Um, we don't, the, the retail thing doesn't get a lot of, uh, a lot of airtime on a lot of these discussions, but, um, but it's interesting and it's interesting that, so basically what you've, the picture that you've painted is that, um, even though that, that many of the, many of the same capabilities that we need in all the different, um, all the different kind of segments of the whole value chain, right? Um, I mean, sure, some of that upstream stuff is really unique and is really not like anything else. But once once you get past that, it's a lot of the same uh, capabilities and a lot of the same technologies and techniques and stuff that we want to apply to all the various different business problems and operational problems that we're solving through the whole thing. Um, and, uh, but, but you know, that it sounds so huge. In other words, um, like to, to take an industry that's already complex and, and, and sprawled out across, you know, sprawled out operationally, geography, you know, geography wise, I mean, and now we're, like like we're literally trying to reinvent the way the whole thing is kind of wired up and works is that is is that is that fair to say is that what you're seeing as you as you kind of work across all these different segments
1: oh yeah sure i mean i mean to be fair i mean let's face it i mean there's a lot of technologies hitting us all right between the eyes at the same time right i mean you're taking a look at you know camera as a sensor you know spectral analysis thermographic cameras and even something as simple as you know putting in a um you know a heat camera as people walk into the store to detect whether they had COVID or not, I mean, even those kind of things. But the thing that is, I think very, very on the forefront of a lot of customers attention these days is technology is changing at a much, much faster pace all the time. I don't care if it's, you know, the, the network speeds, I don't care if it's cameras, I don't care if it's artificial intelligence, I don't care if it's the the software whatever it is, or the use of cloud, but the pace of change is fast. So, When they're really doing that heartfelt look at their current IT infrastructure, is it really flexible? Is it really resilient? Can I really adapt new technologies faster? Now, the catch is that all these things, as I said, they do have a real financial benefit. Now, if they are less flexible, less adapted, taking in new technologies, how is that from a competitive positioning perspective? So what I think with a lot of the focus right now is back on kind of more of that IT infrastructure. How do I mm-hmm. enable this? You know, is my virtualization in place? Am I really using cloud as much as possible? You know, am I really, you know, what is the possibility of 5G networks? What kind of bandwidth do I need in order to deploy all these new sensors and get all this new operational data? And become because they're trying to become more, you know, Flexible. They're trying to become more enabling new technologies to happen faster to get that competitive advantage. I think that's why all of a sudden now companies like NetApp bring that kind of capability to the table, you know, the or the telcos or the cloud providers. Right. That has never been part of the equation or the conversations that an oil and gas company has ever talked to before. Yeah. Those are the things now that enable all the new wonderful machine learning workflows and everything else.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, and so, right. And the point is, um, if you don't have all of if you don't have this this uh, um underlying kind of infrastructure foundation um then that allows you to as you said uh, adopt things more quickly and get things out there i mean you're you're just gonna you're just gonna have a whole bunch of stuff that's stuck in the poc stage and you're gonna have people like outside your door tapping their foot saying like when are we gonna start getting value from this stuff there's another point that um you may so, so with all of these with now needing to kind of work with this whole partner ecosystem, it helps to have partners who actually understand each other's piece, at least to the extent that they know what are all the things because I know, you know, back in the day when I was working on some of these projects and things, some of the trouble that we had was that you're working with like three or four or five different partners or whatever, but they all only understand their own thing and <laughs> they don't. Yeah. And so it was hard. And so it kind of fell back on the, on the customer to figure out how to uh, sort of orchestrate these guys to all like w- to produce uh, some sort of cohesive solution. So um you know, so hopefully you're, you're seeing that uh, people are um, are able to, as you bring these partners together, that you kind of understand each other, at least to the extent that you can, that, that all that doesn't fall back on the customer.
1: Yeah, because I mean, let's let's be frank. I mean, you know, the the oil and gas companies themselves, I mean, um, they need the help in that change management, right? Because you know, they know their right, own business, they right. know what they're trying to achieve, but I mean, they are they aren't skilled in all these kinds of things. things. And what happens is when every one of these, you know, five, 10 different companies, these technology companies come to them and say, you know, hey, buddy, do you want to buy some fast storage or do you want to use a cloud? What you're doing is you're you're forcing the poor customer to become the general contractor.
0: Exactly.
1: Now, unless, like, exactly. They're supposed to be security experts. They're supposed to be, you know, the experts on machine learning workflows or cloud services. They don't have these kind of capabilities. So unless you come to them as a well, you know, versed, ecosystem of partners that give them a solution, They right. that's why these POCs, you know, you get into this POC paralysis because, you right. know, you just sit there and it's like, well, now the poor customer is trying to figure out, well, you know, which storage should I use or which clouds is the best or which algorithm right. is the best. And they just sit there and spin and spin and spin and they don't actually accomplish their end business goals.
2: Right. So this is why you need... A uh, company that's been in the industry, like, I don't know, let's say, for example, NetApp has got a guy, something like Russ Sayert, who can, like, come in and, <laughs> and help you with... Something I'm sorry, with I, that, had to, yes. I, had to, I had to, like, I couldn't resist. I had to, like, I had to, uh, I had to put <laughs> well, that one on. We, we
1: are finding, big, so, again, you know, like, why does an IT company hire a geophysicist?
2: Exactly. No, that's it, right. So we've come full circle. Now we know why, why the IT company hired. But it's important to have that... Uh, subject matter understanding right when you're um, yeah. like the real world not just like not just yeah right you have to you have to kind of been there and done it and understand what happens in the industry so that you can help people with that sort of and thing and
1: I, I am finding too that you know in these kind of collaboration environments you know whether it's through some type of uh, you know industry consortium or whatever I'm finding a lot of you know similar you know peers within side of you know the telco provider or the analytics provider or the cloud right guy. I mean if you take a look at, you know, Azure or AWS. I mean, they all have oil and gas practice leads. In fact, a lot yeah. of those guys um, we used to work together back in the old. And they,
2: of, I was just going like, to say, I can think of a few of them. And,
1: work. Yeah, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but we're we're finding that I, it's still that same kind of cluster of people that I've known in my in my peer group for you know for decades. Right. You know, we all represent different companies with different capabilities, but we know how to talk to each other.
2: And yeah I yeah that's no it's why,
1: you know although we kind of got separated for a little while there i mean we're, we're back together again because yeah it's, know, it's it's so
2: true like you look back and you go and they're now they're it's all the same group of people and but now they're at microsoft and they're at, at, at amazon and they're at, at netapp and they're at all these different yep. places and uh it's good yeah people are everybody's kind of making that same investment so that's probably a good place for us to wrap up I'm looking at the at the clock here if we keep talking there's always a possibility somebody changes the channel so um, uh, but this is really this is great stuff what if um, so if somebody wants to learn a little bit more about this uh, about NetApp about you uh, where where can we send them where should they look and what do you guys got going on maybe coming up soon
1: yeah so uh, what we have right now I mean we take a look at you know with inside of netAppcom slash industries A lot of the different industries right now, I mean, we used to focus our product pages on just, you know, what we have for storage or anything like that, but more and more, we're really changing the way we set up our websites right now around, you know, what is the solution and some, you know, examples of what we've done for for companies, but it's more importantly around which partners have we worked with, you know, who was that telco, who was the cloud provider, who was the analytics partner, who was the GSI who helped us put it all together. So right. it's really kind of more practical examples now around solving a customer problem and not, hey, buddy, do you want to buy some storage? So,
2: <laughs> but everybody wants to buy storage, but, but yeah, no, I, it the I of, uh, of
1: course. But. It's,
2: it, well, so, you know, it's funny because I say that, and, and w- once again, we have done it again. And I, I always say this is that every conversation that we have in this industry about like, technology and digital and all these new things, there are two things that always come up in the conversation um that are always kind of in the center of like the like like the linchpins and one is data and the other is culture and um, um and we didn't we didn't we didn't call those out quite so uh specifically but you we talked all, all the stuff you described is involves like data is at the at the heart of it and and when we talked about the organizational change management and the needing and learning to work differently and things like that so data and culture are are always the the two Two big, uh, like the two big linchpins, and everything that we're trying to do. So um, that's that's all I have to say about that. I just thought it's, it's interesting that, it that they always they always <laughs> come up, they always come up. All right, so. Uh, Russ, thanks. Uh, thanks again for making time today. Um, we'll put all of that that you said that you talked about in the, uh, show notes and so people can link and find you and all that business. And uh, I got a, I got a couple of more things I need to say here to wrap up, but, um, thanks again for, for making time for being on the show.
1: Oh, thank you very much for having me. It's uh, really good to chat with you again.
2: Yeah, it's good. We'll have to. Um, if you get to Houston, we definitely gotta. We we're, we're gonna have to 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 hook up and uh, the bars are still open here, so uh, we can, so we can, so we can go out and do something. Yeah,
1: um all right. Right. I'm I'm uh, I'm locked down in Canada, so uh, just hold that. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. So just whenever whenever they let you out, that it'll be great. So all right, so if, Russ, thanks again, and uh, I do wanna I do have a couple things uh just to wrap up very quickly i know we're running a little long on time uh thanks again to our sponsor cognite they are doing some amazing things we talked about industrial data and whatnot here on this episode um cognite's doing some amazing stuff with industrial data making it more contextual and intuitive and usable by humans and applications and stuff so check out cognite.com or more specifically make data do more.cognite.com Cognite.com. Also, our street team, the OGGN street team. Uh, if you're not a part of it, you should be a part of it. It's a great group of people. Um, you know, y- y- it gets you out from behind the endless Zoom calls, and you can actually do something for the industry, do something good for yourself. It's a great network to be involved with, and they're active and doing fun things so uh there's a there's a linkedin group that if you look for oggn street team oil and gas global network street team you'll find it also look up this guy uh brian mon m-a-h-n he is the fearless leader of the street team so he can point you and he can get you connected in and get you get you going you can also of course connect with oggn on all the usual social spots we have a lot of stuff going on we're getting back into the um into the live event business uh we're starting up the famous oggn happy hour events here uh next month in june and uh you can find out more about that on the oggn website you get on the mailing list all that stuff as always thanks to our audio fixer guy mr mac roman who uh is going to be working on this episode and he's in charge of making us sound fantastic which he always does and now we have savannah wilson who will tell you about our upcoming events
0: Hey everybody, it's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for June 2021. This month, we have six events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events that I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. This month, OGGN will be hosting two events. One is online and one is in person. For our online event, we're hosting a live stream titled Deal Value Creation, M&A, and ONG. This is going to be on June the 2nd. And for our in-person event, we're relaunching our happy hours. It's been far too long since we had a good happy hour, so I'm sure plenty of you will be excited to hear that our next happy hour will be at the Canon in Houston, Texas on June 24th. At this event, you'll be able to meet some of OGGN's hosts and network with other oil and gas industry professionals, all while enjoying great food and drinks. We hope to see you there. Other than OGGN's events, we have two in-person and two online events. First up, we have our two in-person events, which are the Energy Capital Conference on June 2nd at the Omni Houston Hotel and the U.S. Police and Fire Championships from June 10th to the 21st. The Police and Fire Championships will be hosted in multiple locations, so make sure to check out our events newsletter for more information about that. Next, we have our two online events, the first being the Post-Industrial Summit Series. This event actually started on May 4th, but it'll be ending later this month on June 22nd, so there's still plenty to see. And our second online event is the Big Data Industry Summit from June 9th to 10th. If you have any questions about these events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for June. I hope you guys have a great month and thanks for tuning in. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.